0: And welcome in, everybody. We have another edition tonight of Connor and coverage. It is Tuesday night, September 14th here. We're talking Georgia football. We have the latest on the South Carolina game tonight, or uh, that is scheduled for this Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Game will be broadcast on ESPN. We're going to lead off tonight talking about the quarterback position for Georgia, obviously updating a little bit. Kirby Smart provided an update there with regards to both Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels, as well as where their health is. And also a little bit on the South Carolina quarterback position. You know, it sounds like Luke Doty is getting healthier from what I've heard. It sounds like Zeb Nolan is probably going to be the guy that plays there for South Carolina on Saturday, but they've got a potential to play two quarterbacks there as well. So we got Kirby Smart's opinion on that. Our bigger topic tonight, we'll go with that second, is going to be on sort of the state of this South Carolina game because it's it's interesting. You know, no one would say South Carolina is a top-tier rival for this Georgia program, but there's some animosity there. And then there's also the fact that this is South Carolina's first trip back to Athens since that 2019 game, which they came away and won. And I know a couple of South Carolina fans got upset that Kirby Smart had said that it was more what Georgia had to do losing the game more so than South Carolina winning it. So we'll discuss that. And we'll talk a little bit about Brock Bowers. I thought he made some really impressive plays for Georgia this past Saturday and some interesting stats and nuggets from talking to some of his teammates there. So we'll get into that. We'll obviously take you guys' comments and questions. I'm sure after uh, this past weekend, you guys have a lot. There was a lot of interesting stuff that we learned from that South Carolina game, the second of the year, or excuse me, the UAB game, the second of the year for Georgia Georgia. Bulldogs now heading into their first uh, SEC game of the season. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously, Georgia is a big favorite here, and it's, I think, a game you, you look to learn a lot from and we'll see what we get out of this. Obviously, takeaways from last week, you know, Stetson Bennett coming in and playing as well as he did. The Georgia defense, once again, outstanding. Jermaine Burton and Arian Smith sort of getting things going on the outside there. Arian Smith back at practice after exiting the game. He's got a bruise on a lower leg injury, but he's expected to be okay and able to play out there. So without further ado, let's let's dive into our first topic here tonight, which is the latest on the Georgia and South Carolina quarterback situations. We'll start here with Georgia. We just talked to Kirby Smart about an hour ago ago he was asked where things stand with the quarterback situation obviously jt daniel's dealing with an oblique injury did not play this past weekend he continues to rest and get better for that game but here is kirby smart talking about the georgia quarterback situation as well as disclosing an injury to stetson bennett that he is now dealing with Yeah, jt
1: well. uh, feels much better he's continued to improve i think he's better now than he was on uh, on saturday i don't know that he's 100 percent um but he's he's certainly getting closer to that uh, Stetson is repping, JT's repping, and Carson's repping. So they're, they're, Stetson's actually got some uh, lower back issues that, that he strained and stuff, but he's, he's able to go, but I don't know if he's 100%. He's been uh, dinged up um, since Monday morning, but he went out and practiced as well. So they're all three practicing, and uh, I wouldn't say 100 I think Carson's 100% healthy, but the other two are, are still pushing back.
0: Yeah, so it'll be worth following how specifically JT Daniels' health progresses here. You know, obviously, I think South Carolina is the game Georgia should win easily. There were a, a four touchdowns, 31 points the last I checked, and then you get a Vanderbilt team next week where Georgia's probably going to be a five-touchdown favorite on the road there. So it, it, it's not a game where you think you really need JT Daniels to win. And I would also point out that if you look ahead to that October schedule, Georgia has to play it's now much tougher than we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. You play a ranked Arkansas team on October 2nd, which I, you know I don't know how great that Arkansas team is but I thought they were just a really great matchup for that Texas team and took advantage with their own physicality there you play at Auburn the next week which we're going to learn a lot about this weekend when they go visit Penn State and play their first real opponent of the season and then you go play a Kentucky team that is playing about as well as anyone in the country or at least in the SEC right now with a nice win over Missouri this past weekend you get the bye week and then you're at and then you're playing Florida and Jacksonville who similarly I think we're going to learn a lot about this week when they go play Alabama but as it stands right now, Georgia set to play three ranked opponents in the month of October. And that's a tricky schedule for them to navigate. So that's a slate of games where you need JG Daniels out there on the field and you need him to be healthy and a hundred percent, obviously Stetson Bennett doing what Stetson Bennett did was incredible this past weekend and deserving of the praise that he has gotten. But for these biggest games, I think it's clear that Georgia needs JT Daniels and a healthy JT Daniels out there. So if that means you're playing sets of Bennett. Again, you means you're giving more reps to a clearly healthy Carson back. I think that's something you have to live with in the hopes that JT Daniels does get back to a hundred percent here. And he will, from all indications, it's a, it's just a, it's an injury where the only way it gets better is just by resting it. And so that might mean he might not play again against South Carolina this weekend. We'll see and continue to monitor that situation as it develops there over the course of the week. Now, Georgia's not the only team dealing with questions at the quarterback position here. We also have South Carolina. There's some discussion about which quarterback we're going to see there. Luke Doty has a foot injury that he's working his way back from. And then there's also Zeb Nolan, a, a local Athens product, who pretty incredible story was Trey Lance's backup at North Dakota state last season thinks he's done with college football and goes to South Carolina to be a GA Steps in after the Doty injury, and the Gamecocks have won their two first two games covering both of them, I might add. And so Kirby Smart was sort of asked, well, what do you expect to see when you have two quarterbacks where Doty is probably a little bit more of a rushing threat, whereas Nolan is probably the better, pure passer. But Smart doesn't expect all that much of a difference between what they're going to see on Saturday. For one, it, it's hard to prepare for what you're going to see with Doty anyway in this South Carolina offense. As we sort of get into our second topic here later on in the night, it, it'll be interesting to see what Doty's able to do if he's able to play at all, obviously working off a foot injury. But here's Kirby Smart sort of talking about how Georgia is preparing for the possibility of facing multiple or either or of South Carolina's quarterbacks.
1: I mean, everybody always asks that. It, 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 the plays are the plays. Now, the person running the plays and the mobility of the quarterback certainly changes. I think it changes probably third down, maybe more than anything else. Um, is he a pocket passer or are they going to move the pocket? Is he a scrambler? Is he a, 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 a guy that's going to sit in the pocket? You know, it's just everyone's a little different. But the plays they run that aren't designed for the quarterback are the same. So the does, doesn't, offense doesn't change based on the quarterback, not a lot of times. The mobility might change, um, but that's, that's really about it.
0: So it'll be interesting to see what we see out of the South Carolina quarterback position. Obviously, I don't think South Carolina is going to do a whole lot offensively in this game, just given the strength of the Georgia defense there. But it is worth keeping in mind that this is a South Carolina team that came in here as a similar, you know, I believe they were a 23-point underdog when they came in here in 2019 and and pulled out a win then. And that's going to transition us here to our second main topic of the night. Revenge, rivalry game, whatever you want to call this game against South Carolina. I think the Bulldogs are very much looking forward to the opportunity they they have this coming Saturday because – I don't think that, and we'll, we'll play some clips here. There are obviously some tie ins Shane Beamer and Kirby smart uh, Beamer was on Kirby smart staff way back in 2016 and 2017. You have that rivalry sort of stigma out there. I, I don't think any Georgia fan is banging the drum saying South Carolina is one of the the teams we need to play every year for protecting rivalries, but they do have an interesting history. Obviously Steve Spurrier contributing to that there. And then you have that 2019 win and, and, there's also the one must champ factor as well, where he is now an on-field coach for this Georgia team after being the head coach there, both obviously in 2019, but for the past five seasons for South Carolina. So it's a mix of, you know, you have the revenge angle you have, is it a rivalry angle? Either way you really slice it. I think this Georgia team is very focused and motivated going into this game. You can say, well, Connor, that's true for all games. And, and yes, it is. But you know, South Carolina and Vanderbilt are two teams that are just not on the same level as Georgia and really not even all that close. So you could forgive them if you think they're going to sleepwalk through and, and not play their best. But I think because of a variety of circumstances that have led them to this point, you're going to see this te- Georgia team come out fully motivated, ready to go, ready to sort of attack what South Carolina is going to be able to do. And, and so – Obviously, Kirby Smart this week was asked about the 2019 game. There was a little kerfuffle with South Carolina fans saying, oh, uh, how dare Kirby say it was more of what Georgia didn't do than what South Carolina did. I I, I would bring up South Carolina scored one offensive touchdown in that entire game. They did not score at all in the second half. The only points they got were in overtime. Jake Thom threw three interceptions that day. Rodrigo Blankenship missed multiple kicks. I, I don't know how you look at that game and what transpired that day and say, Yeah, South Carolina absolutely went out and won that game. Georgia beat itself that day. I think that day really exposed a lot of the offensive issues that Georgia had in that 2019 season. So here's Kirby Smart sort of talking about that 2019 game and and how Georgia follows it and goes through from there and isn't really using this this year as a motivating factor because the reality is a lot of the guys that are playing now weren't playing a whole lot or at least weren't playing prominent roles on that 2019 team he's Kirby smart for Monday on that sort of subject
1: well I mean that that was brought up some last year I think it was more relevant last year uh, a lot more similarities in their team last year and their staff uh with the exception of you know Will being gone but you know what happened the last time they were here was really about us not about them and uh it's always going to be about what we do and how we execute and We're trying to do that at the highest level. And uh, whatever we can do this week in practice to be able to execute at a high level, that's what I want to focus on.
0: Yeah, so, and, you know, we talked to Trayvon Walker tonight. He was one of those players on that 2019 team. But he was not playing, you know, a big role there that year yet. And and so I, I think that sort of contributes to part of the reason this 2019 game isn't the big revenge factor or motivating factor that it is. And, I mean, the reality is it's not like, South Carolina is Georgia's equal in any way. And so because of that, you know, you have a guy like Trayvon Walker here explaining, yeah, that game sticks with you. And obviously you have the images of of South Carolina players tearing up your hedges. But Georgia's playing for so much more in this 2021 season than just avenging a loss that happened two years ago at home. Here's Trayvon Walker sort of talking about that game and why it doesn't really motivate this team.
1: That is in the past, but that still lingers up in the air for me because I was on the team at the time. And we don't want anything like that to happen again. So we're just want to go out there and play our best ball.
0: Yeah. So you hear Trayvon there. It, it's not the It's not like, Hey, we got to avenge that 2019 loss. It's, it's something that they're aware of. It's something that they know going into this happened, but they're not, they're not going in there thinking about the three interceptions that Jake from through last time, or, or, you know, the big play to Brian Edwards that South Carolina hit that day with Ryan Holinsky there at their quarterback. So I, you know the revenge aspect. I think might be a little bit overblown, as, as Kirby Smart and Trayvon Walker sort of explained there. But they're aware of it, and they know. While it's not maybe necessarily a motivating factor for this game, it is something that they say, they can point back to and say, "Hey, this is why we have to take this South Carolina team seriously." And I think that's exactly what you're going to go out there and see them do this this Saturday. I I, I know you know on a go with the flow show. I've predicted Georgia to not cover the spread in either of the first two games. And they've gone out and done that. I feel really confident in saying, even though with the 31 point line here, I think there's a good chance they go out and do that this coming Saturday, just because I really, I think this Georgia team, regardless of who you're going to see at quarterback, is they continue to get healthier at the skill position players. Kieris Jackson. Sounds like he's sounds like he's close to coming back. Dominic Blaylock, maybe not as close. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. So they get better at these skill position players and the defense is just so good. You know, I just wonder how South Carolina is going to score or be able to do much of anything here. So as long as Georgia doesn't shoot itself in the foot, which it did a lot in 2019 and it's aware of that, I I think this is a game where really Georgia gets in there and plays really well. And Now we'll sort of shift attention here to the Will Muscham factor. Obviously, he was the coach there for a long time. He knows the personnel really well. But as Kirby Smart sort of explains here, it's not some grand big advantage of having – Will Must Champ on this staff that he knows the insides and outsides of what South Carolina is doing right now. That is a totally different staff than what they were doing schematically last year. And I think because of that, yeah, it sort of was the case with Darian Kendrick in the Clemson game. Yeah, it helps to know personnel what guys might like to do but he doesn't know the schematic ins and outs. Darian Kendrick did not foresee Clemson playing the coverages that they played against JT Daniels in that Georgia offense there. and It's unfair to expect him to see that. And Similarly, I think that's sort of going to be the thing about Will Muschamp. You're going to hear a lot about Will Muschamp. You're going to see him you know, on the crowd. You're going to see shots of him on ESPN on, on the sidelines and whatnot, but as far as him giving Georgia a schematic advantage, I don't think that's really the case here, as Kirby Smart explained. Uh,
1: I don't know that. I mean, it's, it's personnel-based, right? It's, we go through this solid- all the time We went through it with DK on Clemson. We go through it every year. Somebody changes spots. You guys write about it, make a big deal about it. and It's not that big a deal, really. He's not in their meetings. He doesn't know their game plan. He does know who their players are, and uh, I, I just don't know how that helps you a lot. You know, we know what their height and weights, and we got the tape, and the tape speaks for itself. He just might know more about them in terms of uh, what strengths and weaknesses there are. So. We always do personnel with somebody that knows other teams, and we get the personnel information. But at the end of the day, I think some of these kids can improve and get better, and they're a year older, so you don't always know exactly what they're like.
0: Yeah, so you sort of hear Kirby explain there why the personnel situation when it comes to South Carolina. Yeah, I guess Will Muschamp does know that he recruited a lot of the guys there, and obviously Doty being one of them. But as far as what South Carolina is doing schematically, and now, under Shane Beamer, it's very different than what MustChamp had been doing in his time there. And sort of, so it's more not necessarily what does Muschamp know about South Carolina at this point in time, but really what does what MustChamp bring to this Georgia team? And I thought Amir Speed gave a really good answer tonight, sort of talking about what he does and, and how sort of the energy he brings to this team and what that might be. And I thought it was really insightful what Amir had to say about Will Muschamp going to what understandably for Muschamp is probably a game. He has a lot of mixed emotions about. He coached there for a long time, knows and recruited a ton of the players there. But at the same point in time, he's now at Georgia. We learned this week he's been at Georgia since the bowl game back in last December. And so because of that, you know, he is now pretty firmly a guy that knows this Georgia program inside and out and knows how to get the most of them. So here's Amir of talking about the energy that Will Muschamp brings to this team.
1: An amazing impact on um, Like, he's just a scheme person, and he's very smart with knowing defenses and everything. So he's been very helpful. And his energy also is just it's immaculate. Like, just his energy, he to bring, the way he brings the meetings and the way he talks to us, like, it, it gets people going. So having him around definitely like, with, on top of Kirby is definitely a good combo.
0: So, yeah, in, as the season goes on, I think Muschamp going to play a big role in Georgia's recruiting and how they go about doing that and impacting the team in that way. Kirby gave a brief quote tonight about still the most important thing when it comes to college football is going out and getting good players. And so sort of tying things all together here when it comes to this South Carolina game. Yes, Georgia's a 31 point favorite an even bigger favorite than they were two years ago against that, that 2019 South Carolina team, but I, I think through two games and having played through that Clemson game, this Georgia team knows what it is at stake and what it is playing for. It knows the championship stakes that it has week in and week out. You, you would think if there was a chance for a letdown, you would have seen it last week against UAB. And Georgia came out and stepped on UAB's throat from the jump. And I would expect something similar against the South Carolina team. Now, the Gamecocks, obviously, I think have a little bit higher talent level, and they have a really good defensive line, which, if you've been following this Georgia team, the the questions and concerns on the offensive line, it's going to be an interesting test for this group. But at the end of the day, I think this Georgia team still has enough talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to really make things difficult for South Carolina. And so yes, there's a the revenge factor out there with 2019 and the must-jam tie-in. You have the, is this really a rivalry game? I'm sure there's going to be a decent amount of South Carolina fans there this weekend, but At the end of the day, this Georgia team knows it is playing for something bigger than avenging a 2019 game or the current state of rivalry or whatever you want to call this contest against South Carolina. It knows that at the end of the day, it's playing for championships, both the SEC championship and potentially a national championship. And I think the most impressive thing that I've seen so far from this Georgia team is that it is self-aware of those stakes and is taking it week in, week out like a championship season and not so, Hey, we can build our way there and get there by the end of the season, which maybe I think you've seen sometimes in recent years. I think this Georgia team knows from the jump, we have to come out playing our best football weekend, week out, you saw them do that against Clemson, even though Clemson made things very difficult for them. You saw them come out and do it against UAB. I think you're going to see something similar this coming weekend against the South Carolina team. That you know, maybe two, three years from now, maybe this day, Shane Beamer does get this team a little bit more competitive and going in the right direction. But with so much newness there, and the turnover, and just the wide talent cap that Kirby Smart has because of the way he has built up this program, in a way, I think Shane Beamer is absolutely going to try and emulate. Uh, I think this is another easy win for Georgia and they're for a variety of reasons. They're just going to check this off as another box on their way to potentially an sec title and a national title. They know, They've got to do the right habits and form those in these type of games that way against bigger opponents like, say, in Alabama, like, say, in Florida. They're able to successfully do those in those games. So that's our second topic here for the night. We touched the quarterback situation there at the top of the show. We go a little deep there on the South Carolina game and what it means for Georgia, revenge, rivalry, whatever you want to call it. We're going to take your questions here shortly. One last thing I want to wrap up on here. Uh, A guy I've written a lot about recently, or not recently, but over the course of the offseason, a guy that has really just come out and I think even exceeded the expectations that were around for him. That would be one Brock Bowers. Uh, He's had a really incredible start to the season. Led Georgia in receptions and receiving yards in each of their first two games. Has the 89-yard, sometimes 88-yard touchdown against UAB last week, where I, I want to pull up a, a graphic here. Some analytics tracked how fast he was moving on this play. He was going twenty one point nine miles per hour when he scored on that eighty nine yard touchdown reception. There, second fastest player in terms of reaching their top speed this this past week among players that had the ball in their hands. And so, you know, I, I think that just goes to show what kind of an athlete this guy is because it's 6'4", 240 pounds. You know, he, he's not like Arian Smith out there. He's pretty solidly built. And Kirby Smart has said in the past that he's been really impressed with what Brock Bowers has brought early on as a, as a run blocker. And so you wonder, as Darnell Washington gets healthier, and I don't expect Darnell Washington to play this week, but we could eventually see him uh, You know, maybe pot- possibly as early as next week, definitely I think by that Arkansas game. And, and John Fitzpatrick, another steady force there in that tight end room, With Washington and Bowers and Fitzpatrick, all capable options for Georgia as far as pass catchers go, it's going to make defending this Georgia offense very different. So we we talked to a couple guys this week about Bowers and what he might be able to do, and not just the linebackers or safeties that match up with him, but cornerbacks like Keeler Ringo, who made his first career interception this week, and and Ringo was honest in what he brings to the team and and the problems that he creates for this Georgia defense, much less the ones he's going to see, like against South Carolina on Saturday. Bowers is it? Is a great player. Uh, I was able to guard him myself a good amount of times. Just, just how he's able to use his body against um, anybody that's guarding him, whether it's linebackers or safeties, he's able to get open, Um, even against corners himself. So just being really agile and how fast he is with great strong
1: hands and, um, and a wide catch radius is a big thing to his advantage.
0: So, yeah, you hear clearly Ringo there talking about to having to defend Bowers, which doesn't seem like a very fun assignment. And I would point out, here. Georgia's recruiting a player right now, South Carolina, Oscar Delp, who presents a lot of similar traits that Bowers has. And I think it's going to be interesting to see as Georgia continues to incorporate Bowers into the offense, how much Delp notices that because for years we've talked, or at least fans have talked about the desire to get the tight end the ball more. Well, when you have a guy like De- like Bowers, who even perhaps more so than Darnell Washington, just presents so many mismatches with the speed that he's able to display out there. It's really interesting to sort of see how Georgia's going to continue to use him and incorporate him into this passing game. Marcus Rosemary jack Saint is among those that's interested to see how he continues to get better and improve as he gets more comfortable. Because again, it's worth reminding, this is going to be Brock Bowers' third career game in his first sec game this weekend. So for him to go out and do the stuff that he's already doing has impressed guys like Marcus Rosemary, Jack saying, as we hear right here.
1: Since brought, got to UJ, he's been, he's a great athlete. He's young. He's smart. He's strong. He's powerful. Knows how to win, on um, win routes again, using his body, using leverage. He's a, he's a great, he's a great play. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he got, um, what he got in store for the future. Um, as a, as a teammate, he's a good person as a teammate and he just he's very explosive as you can as you can say.
0: Again, Brock Powers didn't play high school football last year. He showed up at Georgia in January having no senior season. Nice impact in spring practice. We don't see one from him in that spring game there. Only I believe three catches that day. But with what you've seen against Clemson, how he was used in a short and intermediate passing game, you know, obviously he didn't have the explosive plays that he did against UAB this past week, but to sort of see how Georgia has used him in both capacities there, I think is really encouraging for his development. It's also worth pointing out. He, he caught a little screen pass and turned that into a 24 yard reception, ultimately got wiped out because of a holding penalty downfield. But the way Brock Powers has been used, not just as a tight end, as a pass catcher, but the way he's been used and developed in this Georgia offense is really, really encouraging. Obviously you don't want to compare him to say a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle at the NFL level might be not even quite a, a Kyle pitch yet with what we saw from him at Florida last season. But Brock Bowers has been really impressive and he's a guy, certainly I think every Georgia fan knows at this point. And as a mere speed sort of explains here, if he keeps doing what he's doing and there's no expectation to think he won't do that, he's going to be a guy everyone in college football knows just because of his athleticism and what he brings to this Georgia offense. Brock is
1: a star. He's going to be a star. He's a, he's a fast dude. He's aggressive. And he knows how to make good no plays on the ball. So he's been sparking and making some awesome plays in the game, and he does it in practice. That's why he's reaping the benefits on the field on Saturdays. So I can't wait to see him building and game and get better and better each week.
0: Yeah, is going to get healthier at its skill position players here. You know, you're going to get Kieris Jackson back possibly this week, I think. At least in a wide receiver, obviously, he's returning. Dominic playlock maybe this week or next week, as he deals with a hamstring injury right now. Darnell Washington, I think either the Vanderbilt game or the Arkansas game, you see him back. Maybe later on in the season, you do see George Pickens and possibly even Arik Gilbert, as Kirby Smart said tonight. Gilbert is not currently with the team, and they don't know when they're going to possibly get him back. But even as Georgia gets healthier at the skill position players, and even as Marcus Roseme Jack saying Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, as, even as those guys all continue to develop, Brock has showed he's going to be a major piece of this Georgia offense going forward. And even someone who was as high on him as I was, I'm not sure I expected this kind of start from him. I thought he was a guy who could make some impact at the end of the year. And if he's doing that this early against a really good Clemson team, I still think, Against a, a UAB team that won its conference a season ago, if he's able to make those kind of plays now, imagine where he might be come that Alabama game, come that potential college football playoff game. And, and you know, we bring this up again. You see here the top speed of Brock Bowers, twenty one point nine miles per hour. There, I can't help but think back to that twenty eighteen SEC championship game where Jake Fromm in the third quarter of that game find, found Isaac not a wide open over the middle and. Not a big gain, got Georgia down in the red zone. But he ultimately ended up getting caught and dragged down on that play. And obviously, Rodrigo Blankenship misses a field goal. It was Georgia's last really great scoring chance of the day, and they didn't take advantage of it. And then ultimately, they go on to lose. I think it was what we've seen from Brock Bauer so far, especially with his athleticism. That's maybe a play that he's now able to make and finish, where he's able to catch, say, that 15, 20-yard pass and turn that into a touchdown. And if he's able to do that against an Alabama that's maybe the winning play that you know, we've talked about here on this show a lot that flips, say, a 35-28 Georgia loss into a 35-28 Georgia win. And so if he's able to do that and play, continue to get to that level and get there as early as this season, which I think we could see, I think that's really going to make things very, very easy for this Georgia offense going forward. So talking a little Brock Bowers there, talk the quarterback situation, injury questions. I'm sure you guys have a bunch. We're going to open it up now to what you guys want to talk about, thoughts, questions, concerns. Uh, anything you want to see going forward. Uh, Really great junior. Actually, Arian Smith was not faster, but that's more because uh, of the way the the UAB defense was playing him. It's also, uh, I'll provide an update here on Arian Smith. Uh, Kirby Smart says he's been dealing with a bruise, left Saturday's game with a right lower leg injury, but he is practicing. So if that is to be believed, I, I think there's still a good chance you see him play this Saturday. And that's exciting because, to see him and Jermaine Burton sort of make the big explosive plays that they did against UAB last week, I think it was a really positive sign for the development. And to harken back to Arian Smith, he almost had another big play there uh, when, when Carson Beck underthrew him a little bit. If that, that's a better football there, I think that's another touchdown for Smith. So to see him sort of do that, I think is really good. I do see some people bringing up Jordan Davis and his speed that, that's just an incredible effort by him of his size and his move and tracking him down. Did go for a first down there, but to see a guy at six, six, three hundred and forty pounds, just scooting down the field like that. I think was really impressive from him. Uh, let's see. Comments, questions, ask them. I'll throw them up on the screen for you here. Um, Jermaine King uh, asks about uh, Jack Podlesny and sort of the switch up there with the special teams coach. I don't. Uh, Kirby Smart uh, has said that they mostly leave the kickers and punters alone. Um, you know, with Jack, he was asked about it. Kirby Smart was asked about him tonight. Uh, said he still believes in him. And, you know, Jack Podlesny is the same guy that, while, yes, he missed uh, two short field goals to start this season, he's also the guy that nailed a 53-yard field goal to to win the, the Peach Bowl last year. And Rodrigo Blankenship had his fair share of struggles as well. You think back to some of the missed kicks against LSU in the SEC Championship game, the miss kicks against Alabama and also the same guy that is now a starting kicker for the Indianapolis Colts and made a huge kick in the Rose Bowl there in 2017 so it, kickers are just really weird you know uh, unless you're Justin Tucker you're going to go through ebbs and flows where you might miss a kick or two it's all about how you reset yourself and sort of get yourself back in line I believe we we can see that from jack pod lesney we've seen him do it before you know he missed a kick last year against alabama and then continue to make kick after kick at that point from there on so i i don't think a switch in special teams is how it is kicking is just a really difficult thing where you have to try and do everything perfect and one slight variation might mean a miss kick and then you people start wondering well what is this guy that we all thought was an absolute ace for georgia last season and he was and i think can continue to be so this year so just sort of something to keep monitoring there. I'm mean, interested to see how how he bounces back this weekend. But asked discussion. I'm a big Jack Pudlesny fan, and I think he's going to bounce back in a nice way this week. Um, Steve Rogers, this is actually a bear on my shirt, not a dog. Um, so let's see. Uh, questions, comments. Yeah, we, we sort of answered there about Jack Pudlesny and, and – sort of where things are with him. Um, let's see. Well, uh, Oren, you asked why they don't use Kevin Butler. They did when he was a graduate assistant. And part of it is, you know, Georgia's got so many resources tied up in its support staff. They can't do it everywhere. And Kevin Butler, quite frankly, might not want to do it anymore. You know, he did it for a time being, obviously helped Rodrigo Blankenship there. and but so, to expect him to bring back, and obviously, bringing back former players. You know, you hear Heinz Ward's name thrown around all the time, it's something that gets discussed. But I, you know, Drew has a really good special teams analyst, and Robbie uh, Dinster, I believe. I'm blanking on his name here that they brought in this offseason. So they have plenty of quality special teams analysts there in the building. And so, you know, again, with kicking, I think a lot of it is just a, it's you're on your own, you're in your own head. And sometimes that can lead to misses as we've seen from pod Lesney here early in the season. But I think we've seen pod Lesney overcome a lot already in his Georgia time. And so because of that, I think you can see him overcome this little hiccups that he's having right now. Um, let's see Timothy Wilson, uh, with both JT and Stetson questionable, does Beck start? And could we see Brock? Um, I'd be surprised right now if bra or if, if Carson Beck starts on Saturday, I, I think you know, JT and Stetson are still trending in the right directions, and you're going to be able to see them play. Obviously, I do think you're going to get a chance to see Carson Beck play again this Saturday. I think that's something I want to continue to try to develop him. Brock Vandergriff is going to be interesting. They only put him in for one series there at the very end, did not let him throw the football uh, after Carson's interception there. So I think if they wanted to get him more reps, they would have done so in that UAB game. But obviously, it's a tough battle to walk when you want to get some back reps and you want to get Brock Vandergift reps as well. It's tough sometimes to balance that. So, um, Stacey Carter. Yeah. Uh, what's up with Devontae Wade. He did not play this past weekend. Uh, Kirby smart had said the way he left the it vague. it's not an injury related thing it, to me. It's a little guessing here. It's probably more of a disciplinary issue. Uh, it's worth pointing out tonight. William pool is suspended for the first four games of this season due to an academic issue, but he is going to be back with the team, uh, eligible to play after the Vanderbilt game there. So a little update there. Let's see. Questions, comments. Uh, Matt, being asked, since when is uh, Stetson questionable? Yeah, we led the show tonight with this. Stetson is dealing with a lower back injury that Kirby Smart had talked about how serious it is. We'll, we'll find out come Saturday, but he did mention that tonight as well, going forward. Um, Richard Sheffield asked who is worse, South Carolina or Tennessee. The talent level overall, at least offensively, might be a little higher at Tennessee, but it sounds like they're dealing with some injury issues. And this South Carolina defensive line is, in my opinion, probably the second best in the SEC. They're going to be able to do some stuff to Georgia on Saturday. So for right now, you know, maybe they get their quarterback situation figured out and their Kevin Harris, their star running back, gets healthy. Marshawn Lloyd becomes a bigger part there. Give me South Carolina this year. I, I think they got a good chance to possibly make a bowl if they're able to get the right combination of wins. Uh, let's see uh brian thomas Kreider here so this is a good uh when should we see the running game start to open up so uab last week made a very significant effort to make sure hey we're georgia you're not going to run the ball on, on us if you're going to beat us it's because your wide receiver is going to beat us downfield in aggressive one-on-one coverage and georgia's wide receivers did that and so it's going to be interesting to see how south carolina adjusts i think you're going to see teams employ maybe more of the scheme that Clemson did where they play a lot of soft zone coverage cover 3 shell sort of look out there and so i think maybe that opens things up for the short running game because of, well you didn't see the explosive runs against UAB and even Clemson to an extent. I think you were really encouraged by what you saw at the end of that Clemson game when they were able to finish off that drive. So, this offensive line is still a work in progress. I think you're going to see a little bit more Broderick Jones this week. I'll be interested to see how much Jones and Jamari Sawyer play together. Sawyer and Jones did not play with Sawyer at guard anyway last week. So, this offensive line, obviously, in the wake of losing Tate Ratledge, I think their most physical offensive lineman, it's an adjustment, and it's going to take some time for this group to gel and come together. I don't think the offensive line is suddenly going to be fixed by the Vanderbilt game, the Arkansas game. I think this is going to be something that takes a few weeks to come together. And and so, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's a position group that you hope is figured out and solved by the time they play Alabama, in my opinion, as the SEC West champion at the end of the season. Um. so Willie Gray uh, over under six points for the SEC defense the only way I think South Carolina scores on Saturday is if the Georgia offense has a turnover and gives them a short field uh, I think the South Carolina offense is really going to struggle to move the ball this Georgia defense again is just so good and so talented um, you know, and as long as they're able to stay healthy and even then they have incredible depth. I mean, you've got guys like Channing Tindall who I wrote about this morning, who isn't even a starter for this team, but is able to really come in and make a lot of high impact plays. So I'm going to take the under there. I actually might take the over on Georgia points score, the, the, the over on the points, the Georgia defense scores on South Carolina, more so than the points they give up. Cause through two games, the Georgia defense has scored 14 points and they've given up a total of three. And I think that's going to be impressive as that continues to go. Uh, Steve Rogers you think Jermaine Johnson is happy playing for FSU yeah he he wanted to play more and he's going to get a chance to get highlighted and become a bigger presence there obviously you know they have the loss to Jacksonville State this weekend but he looked good playing in that Notre Dame game scouts are going to notice that and what he's able to do so you know it was a move Jermaine had to make because it felt what was best for him because even on this team I don't know if he's playing over Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson so Jermaine clearly wanted more snaps wanted more tape on film and so he went out and did that and I think you know, that that's a move that I think ends up working out for both parties, Georgia, because it allows them to develop and play Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson and Robert Beale and M.J. Sherman more, and it also works out for Jermaine Johnson. Um, let's see. Uh, Stacey Carter, score prediction for the Alabama-Florida game. You know, I think a lot of people are going to pick Florida to keep this game close. But just give me Alabama here. They're sort of, they're sort of in the, this, this zone where, you know, they're favored between three touchdowns and two touchdowns. I think they're a 15-point favorite right now. I I feel really good about what this team is, what this Alabama team is going to be able to do. And I still have questions about that quarterback position. Obviously, Anthony Richardson dealing with a hamstring injury. Emmy Jones has thrown interceptions against, multiple interceptions against South Florida and Florida Atlantic. The Alabama defense is a step up in that competition. Now, one thing I will point out, if, if, if Will Anderson's not able to play for Alabama, I'm going to be interested to see how they get a pass rush going because they're already without Christopher Allen and then losing Will Anderson, that's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's do one more comment here. Um, Brennan Howe, this is, this is a good one. Uh, how much of a threat is Arkansas? Are they going to be the first uh, opponent to push us? SEC opponent to push out. Well, I think they're going to give Georgia a better game than South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Well, I think, yeah, I think with even what you saw last year, that Arkansas team led 10 to five going into the third quarter there. And obviously the Georgia team is a much different place right now than, um, than where it was a season ago. But, I was really impressed with what Arkansas did. And I picked Texas to win. I was just flat out wrong and stupid for picking against Sam Pittman. I do think that their physicality is an edge over Texas that they just didn't quite have. And that physicality isn't going to be as pronounced against a Georgia team that plays somewhat similar there, but you know, coming in, I think there's a good chance Arkansas is still ranked in that game. They're going to play Texas A&M the week before. And with some of the issues Texas a showed against Colorado this past weekend, I think that's going to be a really interesting game. And, and there's a chance that's a top 15 matchup, maybe even top 10, if Arkansas is able to beat a that week. So that push might be, you know, I, I would still say Georgia's going to be favored by close to two touchdowns in that game. But Arkansas is a really interesting team, and as Sam Pittman continues to recruit and get better and better players there, I think Arkansas is going to be causing a lot of problems for people there in the SEC West. So uh, with that, that is probably going to be our show for tonight. Uh, You have Jeff Tell, and before the hedges tomorrow, and I had big recruiting weekend. Obviously, you're going to have some real nice official visitors, assuming that the rain holds up there it'll be interesting to see how that goes you have cover four on thursday when we're be talking a lot probably about the quarterback situation again and then going into the south carolina game what are our thoughts brandon adams every monday through friday on dog nation daily mike griffith on the beat as well we got you covered on video content we have kirby smart press conference already up there on youtube so thank you guys so much for tuning in once again this has been connor and coverage we do this every tuesday night if you're listening on the podcast thank you guys so much i really appreciate checking you out there uh, we will be back next Tuesday previewing the Vanderbilt game, which I think will have a lot of similar talking points to the South Carolina team. But uh, stay tuned to Dog Nation for the latest content. My name is Ben Connor Riley. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it.